You're listening to episode 161 of the Voice in Canada podcast. Hey there, I'm Dr. Terry Fisher, one part physician, one part voice enthusiast, one big part Canadian, and one small part of our community, Northern Voice. Together, let's explore how voice technology is transforming our lives north of the border. And let's talk voice. Hey, hey, and welcome to this week's podcast episode. It's Terry Fisher here, and so pleased to have you along. Uh, we have a fantastic interview today. I am speaking with Emerson Sklar, who is the chief evangelist of Bespoken, and they are one of the leading companies when it comes to testing voice applications. Very, very cool space. <laughs> and for fun, we even get into a discussion about the use of little toy stuffed llamas. Yes, you heard that right. Little toy stuffed llamas uh, that they give away at conferences or they were in person conferences. And that was always a hot item. So we'll get into that. Um, this is a recording of the Voice Lincer Show. I have my uh, co-host with me uh, today, Ian Utili, who uh, does a fabulous job, as always, of interviewing Emerson. And we, we cover a lot of information. Uh, but again, specifically, Emerson's expertise expertise is on how you can leverage uh, a service to test your voice applications for you. And uh, so uh, we'll jump into that. I just want to give you a quick reminder that we are on Clubhouse. If you want to uh, join our community there, you can simply go to uh, thevoiceden.club and you will see a link to take you right to the Clubhouse club. With that being said, let's jump into this interview with Emerson Sklar and uh, we'll start off with Emerson uh, introducing himself. Enjoy. Sure. I am Emerson Sklar. I am the chief evangelist of Bespoken, who are the leaders of automated testing, tuning, and monitoring for uh, conversational AI. Amazing. And how did you how did you get involved? How did you get involved in voice? What's the what's kind of the background story there? Yeah, that that's a great question. Um, I really owe my uh, my path into voice to uh, my good friend Ben Anderson, who leads the voice practice at uh, my former employer, his his current employer, a company named Applause who focus on crowdsource testing. Uh, we did a lot of work with the big name voice players in the space. Uh, and Ben really dragged me kicking and screaming into voice, uh, knew me pretty well, said that I would really enjoy this space and really enjoy what we could get up to. And, uh, and, and he was absolutely right. And it has been uh, been a heck of a ride ever since. That's awesome. What what do you, you mentioned like you, your friend thought that you would enjoy it. What, what do you enjoy the most about what you're doing these days? Yeah, so uh, you know, I, I spent I spent most of my career in the testing space. Um, started originally in automated testing. Uh, spent a number of years, a uh, number of years at Applause, focused more on the manual testing side. I love a good challenge and how it impacts a user positively or negatively. Uh, that was one of the fascinating things about Applause. They have a community of nearly half a million professional QA members all over the world that you can sort of slice Crazy. and dice to. Uh, to get feedback or to you know leverage to test voice apps or, or regular apps. And uh, one of the things that, that drew me to Bespoken was how different and unique quality is in voice and how different and unique usability is and how because of just the inherent uh, nearly infinite combinations that are introduced by the characteristics of our voice, um, how really it is a problem that is uniquely suited to, uh, to being solved or, or to being, uh, being helped through automation. That's great. That's great. Ian, I see you nodding over there. What are you, what are you thinking over there? Well, when Emerson speaks, I listen and agree. 
That's, that's my jam. That's my jam. Uh, Emerson, your nickname is The Scout. Could you talk a bit about uh, your background with the uh, Eagle Scouts and how that plays a role, not just in your day in, out you know, career today, but how it's played a role kind of in leading up to this moment and who you've become in the voice space? Because I, I think there's a reason why that nickname was chosen for you, because I think it plays to a lot of who what makes you who you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, when I was uh, when I was a youth, when I was a scout, I went to uh, over twenty two Boy Scout camps all over the uh, all over the East Coast. Uh, every summer, I'd go to five or six a summer. Uh, I finally attended one Henson Scout Reservation at uh, on the Eastern Shore of Maryland, and knew that that was my that was my future home. And so this summer, unfortunately, with uh, with COVID and everything that's gone on, this was the first summer in. Uh, 20 years that I haven't worked and volunteered at that uh, at that particular camp, and so it it was it was you know really uh, really impactful and uh, and formative for me as an individual spending my time there, especially both as a camper and then as uh, as a staff member, and then you know working there as one of the leaders at the camp, both for the thousands of scouts that we get every year for the hundreds of adult leaders, the parents who come with, uh, come with their children, and then the uh, typically 70 to 80 staff members that we have, most of whom are youth. Uh, you know, really incredible just to be able to give back and have that same kind of impact and, and see those, those communities grow. Um, and it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's really amazing. The, the Scout Oath and Law, the sort of tenets of, uh, of the Scouts BSA are almost impossibly difficult uh, frameworks to live by. They are, you know, the, the standards are so high. And one of the things that, that took me a long time to learn was that you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to do each one of them perfectly. Everyone obviously has their own strengths and weaknesses, but if you keep those in mind, if you try and try and follow things like being trustworthy, being kind, showing bravery, um, if you try to try and follow those things, not only does it uh, you know, re- reflect well and uh, and work out well in your personal life, but I, I think it is has held or has put me in great stead uh, through my my professional career as well. That's great. Could you talk a little bit more about bravery and courage? Because I feel yeah. like since the voice tech industry is, even though there's been a lot of progression over several decades, so it's not like this is new, right? Um, and but there's been a lot more development the last several years, but a lot of the development is around the development of hardware and software and kind of the first movers taking advantage. But so much of what you do at your company has to do with your company being courageous and bold and putting uh, these tools together for folks. And your clients are really people that are wanting to be on the cutting edge of what's possible around uh, voice tech. So could you talk a bit about bravery just in our industry? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I think there's there's a couple facets. My uh, childhood mentor was the camp director uh, at, at Henson Scout Reservation for for over 20 years. Uh, Ray Teat had a story he liked to tell about two different kinds of bravery. There's the easy kind of brave where you jump in front of a train to push somebody out of the way, or a bear is coming and you try and scare it away so it doesn't eat your friends. And then there's the tough kind where you know that uh, that your peers are doing things that are not right and you have to stand up to them even though you know you might be on mm-hmm. be on the receiving end of ridicule. Um, and so from, uh, you know, from, from the one standpoint, especially because like you said, the industry is not brand new, but it is still growing and evolving so rapidly. Um, part, part of my role 
at Bespoken, part of my prior role at uh, at Applause, and then just in general as somebody who loves the industry and wants to see it succeed, is to you know to call out things that uh, you know p- places where I think either brands that are in the space or other vendors that are in the space could do better or should do better because of uh, the impact that it has on individuals, and then then the other part, like like you said, Ian, is uh, is having the having the freedom and having the um, the courage to try and fail and iterate. Uh, and there is no, you know, there's no path to success in, maybe not in all industries, no path to success in most industries, let's say, certainly no, no guaranteed path to success in the voice industry. And I've been incredibly fortunate that uh, my mentors and leaders at Applause, um, the rest of the team at Bespoken, that everyone is, you know, so open and so receptive to uh, to trying, you know, just just to trying hypotheses and seeing how it works. That that really has been the has been the genesis of a number of uh, number of the products that we have, a number of the great solutions that we have in the space. The stuff that we do with the test robots, uh, a lot of the work that we're doing in the IVR space was just seeing, you know, is this something that we could do, um, and is it something that you know again is is going to have a positive impact on. The brands that we work with, and uh, and ultimately their users, who uh, who are you know varied and and spread across the world. I really like that. That's that's amazing when you think about the parallels there between scouts and bravery, and then and a, and a new industry. It, it's amazing. Here's a here's a comment I want to bring up on screen here by AJ. It's good to see you, AJ. <laughs> and uh, AJ says, "I have a client heavily involved in the scouts. He is extremely understanding and patient. Not only that, but he is encouraging and resourceful. I really appreciate the character. I think that." Speaks a lot for the type of people that you're that you're talking about, Emerson. Yeah, great to hear. Thank you, AJ. Um, so, can, are you able to share some of the things that you're working on? I know probably a lot of it is 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 you know private, um, but are there are there some examples of of use cases or things that you're working on that you can share with the audience so they get a real sense of of what your company does? Sure. Yeah. So at at a uh... At a very, very high level, we do robots talking to robots. So we make it so that you don't have to open your mouth and talk to a smart speaker or voice-enabled device or uh, type on a keyboard to chat with something. You can write a script one time, click a button, and it'll talk to it talk to it automatically and do it with different languages, accents, all, all that good stuff. Um, so that's that's a super, super high level. In, mm-hmm. in terms of some of the really exciting stuff that we've seen recently, um, I mentioned mentioned a couple of them earlier. So we have this notion of test robots. Uh, much of our company is based in Peru, and so we call them robo llamas. Uh, and these these uh, devices enable us to uh, to automate interaction with any kind of voice enabled device, any kind of rather voice enabled physical device. And we've done this with automobiles. We've done this with wearables, hearables. Um, custom voice-enabled smart pill dispensers. You know, you you name it. That, that's kind of our motto: is if you can talk to it, we can test it. And uh, and so those those test robots really do give us the ability, regardless of the form factor, regardless of the language or where it is, uh, to to again make it so you don't have to uh, wear your jaw out to be able to see how it's performing. Um, one one thing that has been really fascinating recently, and I I think it is. Uh, I think it is, you know, directly due to uh, to the, the current circumstances that we live in, is the rise of um, of intelligent virtual agents uh, for IVRs. I think everybody has had 
very frustrating experiences calling into their insurance company or their credit card company. And it says, you know, say your social security number and it doesn't understand you. And mm. uh, then you get frustrated and it, it finally connects you to a, a real human being, which is what you want in the first place. And so a lot of companies are seeing that, you know, the, the rate of those kind of incoming calls has gone way, way up now that a lot of people are at home. Um, and so they're making investments that uh, a year ago, two years ago, it was just the most forward thinking of the companies. It was just, you know, people on the cutting edge investing in sort of smart speaker driven tech. And now they're tying things like Alexa with, uh, you know, Amazon Connect and, and Lex. They're tying Dialogflow, they're tying Rasa, they're tying Twilio uh, to some of their legacy systems, both obviously to have, you know, some, some monetary impact down the line, but then very much to have a positive customer impact, which is, is what it's really all about. Um, one, one thing that we've also seen again, kind of due to, uh, due to the, the current, uh, health circumstances is the need for having live automation and live interaction with voice enabled devices that, uh, are not co-located with you. And so we have, we haven't, uh, really unveiled it much. I guess this is, uh, Perhaps the first time anybody's really talked about <laughs> right, it. Right, here have, we go. <laughs> uh, we have this this capability to enable you to do live, bi-directional streamed sessions with voice-enabled devices using laptops, mobile phones, you know, you, you name it, um, commodity hardware, let's call it, uh, so that if I am an auto manufacturer, if I am a mobile phone manufacturer, I don't have to risk someone's health send them into the office to have them speak um, and, you know, expel their air, potentially expel uh, droplets in, into the air. I don't have to have them actually physically present to enable them to speak to a device, see what is see what is happening in real time and in, interact with it in that way in a, you know, much more secure, much more scalable fashion than, uh, than just trying to open up a FaceTime call or something like that. Right. Very good. Ian, any other questions here? We're getting a little bit short on time and I want to be respectful of everybody's time. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Well, it's it's hard to ask the last question because I have so many, but let me just have you speak to this one thing, Emerson. There's three elements to modern voice technology as we know it. There's the artificial intelligence machines that we all have access to through the hardware and software. And so the hardware are these voice devices and the software is what we would call the Lexi device or Google Assistant, et cetera. Can you talk a bit about which area do you see the most promise moving forward? Is it in the physical hardware, the software that people are speaking to, or is it really the brains behind it all that you're most excited about? But if you had to choose which of these three elements um, are what you have see as being the most promising? Yeah, that is a tough question. Um... I think in the, I think the device manufacturers, the embedded hardware manufacturers have done an extraordinary job getting us to where we are today. It's sort of like that, uh, you know, like that 80, 20 rule. They've done so much. They've gotten, you know, gotten us to a, a great, a great state that the perhaps incremental improvements that are ahead of us may be, may be tougher to distinguish, maybe tougher to, to be wowed by perhaps. Um, I think the the AI has a lot of room for growth, um, but I think for the vast majority of companies, they the products that they're creating they don't have a real mechanism to influence that. 
where where I am most excited and where I think that brands can make a, the biggest impact in the conversational products they're making today is on is on the software side, as in what what they're actually creating. You know, when when we made this switch to um, to putting our faith in uh, in AI assistance, we we let go, we released a lot of the burden of the actual development of the underlying capabilities, underlying technology. Um, that that burden didn't just didn't totally go away. It shifted to a burden of designing something that is really conversational, and that that's you know that is a that is a challenge. It is something that that most companies um, get most companies get okay. Um, but I think there's I think there's incredible room for improvement as we as an industry learn as. Uh, the guidance as the development environments, as the best practices get more uh, more codified, the the opportunity there to take us from, um, you know, from forty or fifty percent of households in the United States that are actively using kind of voice enabled devices to a hundred percent, to you know, getting the average ratings on the skill marketplaces up to consonant with the uh, the mobile app marketplaces, to to getting it to where you know my parents, for example, who uh, are not that keen on uh, potentially intrusive, uh, always listening devices being in their home. You know, to, to getting it to where they or my grandparents perhaps, uh, you know, are, are using it and valuing it in the same way that they do mobile technology. Which I mean, mobile seems like it's been around forever, but really has not been around that that long. And and so that that I think is where. There is an, an incredible opportunity for uh, organizations, large and small, and where it's really, really exciting to see where we came a few years ago, where we are today, and where we're going to be in just a very short time ahead. Yeah, yeah. well said, well said. Well, Emerson, I've got, I've got just maybe two more quick questions for you. One is, what are you doing with your stock of all your stuffed llamas during this time when we can't have um, <laughs> <laughs> we can't have um, in person events? For those that don't know, like whenever. Ever since company Bespoken is around, they've got these massive boxes of stuffed llamas, and it's like the hottest item that you could possibly walk away from a conference with. So, I hope those come back. Any 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 very important comments that you can make on that? Yeah, you know, we're we're trying to work out a partnership. There are some uh, miniature llama breeders in the United States. So we're trying to work out a partnership to see if I can borrow a miniature llama in return for some of the stuffed llamas. Which which might surpass the excitement at uh, at future conferences, uh, even beyond uh, beyond those. That's very true. All right, good. We had to we had to get that straight. And uh, finally, um, you're going to be on the Voice Den Party Edition, and people are going to be able to ask questions. What's your sweet spot? If you could kind of direct what questions you were asked on the show, what kind of questions would you want people to ask you? Well, I I love. It's it's nerdy. Uh, I, I love QA. I love the the quality space. The notion of holistic approaches to quality. I love specific to voice. How every every time I run or analyze or just review usability studies, I'm always amazed and surprised at how different my perspective is than uh, somebody who's entirely non technical or somebody who's technical but much older. You know, any anybody across the spectrum. Um, but but evaluating products, evaluating uh, you know development life cycles, and figuring out what the right way is to think about quality from the user's perspective 
is uh, again, I guess, a little nerdy, but is uh, is something I, I find just delightful and fascinating. Um, so yeah, would would love to to hear other people's input as well, and uh, would love to to field any questions in that space. Since you just said that, I have had one more question come up here on uh, live right now, and if great. it's okay with you, I'd like you to just throw it on the on the screen before we say goodbye because I think it's a great question for you. Um, and here it is. So it's again from AJ, and he says, um, "Do you look for response time?" I started exploring customizing the assistant's talking speed based on average response time to support what Amazon already does, but also to support non-native English and older users. Do you report on how frictionless an interaction is and can you comment on that subject? Yeah, so that that's a tough one. Um, yes, we capture and can absolutely report on it. It is so subjective, not just to uh, a language, but to particular demographic and psychographics within that language, to particular use cases within a language. Um, you know, for, for example, I, uh, Heidi Culbertson, uh, I listened to her give a speech, gosh, I guess two voice summits ago, three voice summits ago now, um, about in, if, if you're designing a, a product for uh, older adults and you can't quite understand what they say, Rather than asking that, rather than saying, I'm sorry, I didn't get that or anything, asking them to repeat it and doing it slower. And same if you get a sense that they don't understand what your device is saying, repeating it slower, just having that, you know, that very minor change, the, the end result might be the same, or the, you know, they still might be able to accomplish the same task at the end of the day. But the impact on them as a user, how how they feel about it uh, is is drastically different. So uh so there, uh, at least in, in my experience, there is not a one size, there's not a one size fits all, um, but there are definitely times where it's easy to see, oh, it, you know, it, it went much, much too quickly. We see that a lot with, uh, with a lot of the custom hardware, um, you know, the, the delay in between someone activating a device and it expecting a response and then uh, deactivating is much too quick or it lasts too long. And so it's picking up other chatter in the background. Uh, you know, a lot of those things, again, even, even if there is not a perfect one size fits all answer, uh, if you take a sort of, if you take a, a quantitative and data-driven approach to measuring it and then tuning for it and then listening to your users and seeing what their feedback is, uh, then, you know, then you can make a, a really informed decision about how you want to approach that, uh, that tuning, how you want to approach that sort of manipulation to best hone in for your particular use case. Great. And AJ says, nice. Thank you. So there you go. Fantastic. All right. Well, Emerson, now we're really going to say goodbye. I want to uh, just give you an opportunity to share with people um, where they can learn what you're doing and where they can follow along or follow along with, with your company. Uh, where, where are some places that you'd like people to check out? Sure. Yeah, you can visit us. Uh, our website is www.bespoken.io. Uh, we are on all social media, also at bespoken.io. Uh, sorry, bespoken.io. Um, I am on, you know, Twitter, LinkedIn, all all, uh, all of the usual candidates at just my first and last name, Emerson Sklar. Um, yeah, re you know, really invite people if you have any questions. If uh, you have a heck of a challenge and you don't think there's any way we can possibly solve it. Uh, if you have, you know, something that uh, is painful in your voice development lifecycle and you're trying to figure out a way to, to get around it, please, please don't hesitate to reach out. We, uh, we, we love good challenges. And there you go. So I hope you enjoyed that interview with Emerson. Obviously, if you are doing anything in the voice space that needs testing, 
definitely, definitely, definitely reach out to Emerson and Spoken. They're a fantastic team, and I've got to know them over the last couple of years through the various uh, conferences. As usual, I thank you very much for lending your ear and tuning into this podcast episode. As always, you can check out the show notes, which you can find at voiceincanada.ca slash podcast. And otherwise, uh, I just want to remind you again that you have a personal invitation to join us on Clubhouse. Uh, you just go to thevoiceden.club and uh, join us there. We do regular rooms in the Voice Den Club, and we love to have as many members of our community join us for those rooms. Thank you again for tuning in. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, and I'll talk to you again very, very soon. Take care.